KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's alright with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Hey, it's time for Punk Rock Farmer edition of Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Aldine, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. Also in the studio, as always, Laura Jones. Hey, hey. Very good. Every Friday, we bring true tales from the agri-hood, and um, we pass the mic to punk rock farmers like Shirley Barnes, mm-hmm. who's with us tonight, and she's um, from Turn Community Services, and I've been had a, the pleasure of working with those guys and organizing a little community, community garden. garden for their clients. Pretty I'm fun. excited to hear what you did, because I saw you post on Instagram. Folks, you can follow Al, punk rock farmer on Instagram, right? Yep. Punk Rock Farmer 23 or just Punk Rock No, 23. No, 23. No, 23. That's on Facebook. Okay, so you got to check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. And then you got some other folks coming in. Yes, also we have some folks from the UDAF, the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food. Um, Corey Corey Selinger's with us Uh and Alyssa Hyman. Higgum, Higgum, we're going to have to ask her. We're going to have to ask her. <laughs> and we're going to talk, boy, there's some exciting stuff. They have a program, um, conservation districts, and there's quite a bit of money out there Grant in money. grants. And uh, they're looking to funnel it towards urban farmers. Urban farmers, so right here along the kind of the metropolitan area. It's- I mean, it's what yeah. we've been talking about forever here. So this is really exciting stuff. Okay. Great. Well, on Rallies and Resources, we've got the Utah Cannabis Conference and Expo folks coming in. So City Weekly's Pete Saltis will be here. And he has brought with him, Al, I thought you would like this, a cannabis grower from Beehive Pharmacy, I believe. This is not hemp. This is cannabis. This is cannabis, medical cannabis. I've, I've, I'm curious about it. And so we wanted to find out uh, about the growing of it, especially after it was legalized and there was like a rush, like a green Green rush, right? Like a green rush. Yeah. And everybody wants to go to the farm. Sign me up. Yeah, there you go. So we'll find out about that. And of course, we've got Skywatcher, Leo T, and as you said, Shirley. But uh, I want to say thanks to everybody supporting the Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition of Radioactive during Radiothon. Yeah, it's always great to hear from folks and, and get that support and put some money back in the kitty to keep KRCL going. You know, we the listeners have been doing it for 42, three years now. That's so. right, since 1979. And our pickup party, help us save on the shipping money, folks, so we can spend the money on the programming. Come down to the station Thursday, May 12th, 4 to 7 p.m. here at KRCL. Details at krcl.org. And Aldine, you're bringing all your seeds for the folks who got those, right? I'll bring my seeds, and I'll have a little table set up like I do at the seed exchange, like I do at the Farm and Food Conference, uh, stewarding those seed exchanges in uh Regional seed and local seed from our area, Mm. you cannot beat it. And I did want to remind folks as well that the Wasatch Community Garden and the Red Butte Garden plant sales are both tomorrow. So if you're looking for plant sales, um, that is something to remember. And there are details on our website in rallies and resources. And one more thank you, Al. I swear, this is the last one. (laughs) But 110 folks did trees with us during Radiothon and Tree Utah. And I believe the pick, the planting party's on May 16th. Check the website for that. If you can't make it, I'll help plant trees. A whole bunch of CareSeal folks will be there. But now it's time for fresh and homegrown music, Aldine. We've got our artist in studio, Gavani. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. I'm really glad to be here. And welcome back, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was here on Tuesday. That's right. Yeah, I wasn't was sure who time. was coming in for Alleyways Amplified. And I'm like, Gavani, you're supposed to be here Friday. <laughs> I'm here today, too. In fact, Al, will you talk to him about how he makes music and why and where? I've got a little Take It Slow in the background, one of the songs we played on Tuesday. we got some other ones to share, too. Okay. So I'm curious. Yeah, so... Um, how do you how do you explain your music? What what are the elements involved? Well, okay, we're listening to Take It Slow right now, right? And this is Afrobeats uh, infused with traditional R and B. You know, just try to keep it smooth um, and modern, give you this urban sound that you know that welcomes all audiences, and not just exclusive to Africa or Africans. You know, and so we just try to I just try to make music that's very open to everybody, smooth. You know, wherever you are, wherever you are, you can just enjoy and vibe to it. 
not too harsh, like, oh, you can feel it. It's good right when you hear it. It's just smooth. Yeah. <laughs> As you mentioned on Tuesday when you were here, you're from Nigeria, and yeah. now you make music between Salt Lake City and L.A. That's how I read on your website. Well, to be honest, um, it's more, it's, you know, I like to, I like, I've, been, I've been trying to embrace that, the, the Salt Lake community even more. You know, there's there's a lot of things going on in LA and not enough going on in Salt Lake. I feel like you know we don't have that. Um, the, the diversity exists for sure. It's just very hidden. I feel like you know, and if you're out of Salt Lake, you don't really see it as much mm-hmm. as, as as you know as, as as you should. So I just feel like you know maybe I, I got to take a, a step back and just appreciate the the place that I really started from and the place that has shown me all the love you know since I started. Yeah. So we'll have links in the show notes to where you can get his music, uh, Al. But I want to know the story behind this first song we're going to share, Acid Rain. Tell us about that. Acid Rain. Um, Acid Rain is, um, I consider it modern psychedelic Afro. Mm. You can tell by the name, Acid Rain. Um, once again, on theme, very smooth. Um, you know, it's, 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 just, it's just something that's supposed to make you feel warm. That's what I think, you know. But the end of the day, music is subjective. But for the most part, people seem to agree with me. So when we hear it, you know, I'll let you be the judge of it. (laughs) Well, where did you make this song? I think you were saying something before we cracked the mics about Spanish Fork. Yes, okay. So when I I made um, Take It Slow, the one that's playing right now, I made that in Spanish Fork. Um, I remember making it in my father-in-law's spare room. And it was just the morning. I remember waking up, having a good cup of coffee, and just going in the studio and making the song. And I think about eight minutes. Take It Slow. And then Acid Rain was, uh, you know, just a hangout session with me and my producer, Jimmy. Jimmy is here in Salt Lake. Um, and with Mike as well, Mike and did some um, ad-lib vocals at the beginning, at the end of it, you know. And we just kind of put it together in a quick freestyle session. Honestly, came together in about 10 minutes and sounded great. It sounds like it just flows. <laughs> yeah, it's just smooth, you know. It's on theme, always. <laughs> Ready? Uh, I, first of all, gigs. Got to get the dates. Okay. So you were in here talking about Alleyways Amplified on May 21st, but Slug Localized is coming up first. Yes, I was actually just there before I came here, actually, to go to go talk to them about a, a performance on the 19th of May. So I performed there on the 19th of May at 7 o'clock. And um, it's one of those things where I'm just going to go there, do my thing, bring some good vibes, you know, show Utah once again, just... Ex- expose the music to the people show them that you know hey the talent is here it's just it's just, it's just kind of hidden <laughs> but we're trying to bring it out to the world and uh, um, do do my thing and you know it's going to be a really really fun time Urban Lounge May 19th we'll put the details in the show notes this is Gavani with Acid Rain fresh and homegrown right here on KRCL 90.9 FM
A little acid rain from Gavani on KRCL, Punk Rock Farmer Friday on Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones in studio with Aldine Strict 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. Stick around. We're going to be talking about conservation districts with the folks from UDAF, Utah Department of Agriculture and Food. Shirley Barnes is on deck from Turn Community Services, where Aldine, you just put in a community garden last weekend. Pretty cool. It was we, like a last-minute call-out, and you got folks together. We made it happen. It was really cool. We'll talk about it. That's so awesome. But right now, we want to talk about the Utah Cannabis Conference and Expo coming up May 13th and 14th with City Weekly at the uh, Utah State Fair Park down here on the west side of Salt Lake. Pete Saltis, publisher at City Weekly, is with us. Hi. Hi, Laura. Hi, Aldine. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Absolutely. It's been a while since we were all on Zoom doing quarantine cocktails in the early <laughs> yeah, days of 2020. Yeah. Oh, it's goodness. A, are we going to do like a cannabis cocktail? We should. <laughs> hey, if, we, if the state allows it, we'll do some. There we go. Cannabis know. infused. But Aldine and I are always interested in how the growing side of it mm-hmm. is going. And there was that green rush, Al, that we were talking about. Yeah, for sure. So introduce your, your, your friend you brought in with us. Yeah, today we've got Riley Ellis from Beehive. Um, one of eight growers in Utah grows. Um, so kind of a special treat for everybody here. And uh, Riley, why don't you tell us about what you do on a daily basis? Yeah, so as he said, I'm a cultivator for Beehive Farms. Um, and, you know, we have a perpetual grow up there. So it's a, every day is a little different. You know, some days we're propagating plants. Some days we're harvesting plants. You're transplanting them. So it's, it's pretty much a constant cycle. And it's very different day to day. So controlled environment all year round is what you're talking about. uh So we control the humidity, the temperature, um, how often we irrigate and feed. It's yeah. The light intensity, everything. It's total controlled. Can I come and visit? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I said in the well, back you, over you here. S- you set we'll up there. Trip. I'm curious how, how much security is an issue or if that was overblown before Utah knew what it was getting into. Um, yeah, there's definitely security there. So there's cameras in every room, multiple cameras. Um, so you got to wear a badge while you're there. You got to check in if you're a guest, check out. And so there's definitely some security Empty measures your pockets there. on the way out. Empty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... As an industry, as a grower, what do you, what is your take on the stability of the industry? What are the, I don't know if this is getting too far outside your lane, but any concerns you have about regulations? Um, I mean, just as you look at it, each state, more and more states are progressing toward legalizing it. There's, you know, so many medical, so many recreational. So I'm really not too worried about it. I see it's progressing forward and yeah, I'm not. I'm not too worried about it going anywhere. We followed the hemp one for a little bit. In the first year, there was 300 permits. The second year, only 80 because you no, know, that was kind of gray. Still, mm-hmm. is it still gray in the with the real cannabis? Uh, not so much in the real cannabis. I'd say. I'd say the reason the hemp stuff dropped just because there's not as much money in it. It's uh-huh. really hard to. You know, make sure. an income off hemp and sure. stuff. So well, the processing is really tricky too. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's any. I don't know if there's any hemp processing in, in the state. Definitely is for medical cannabis. And that's the focus of the conference mm-hmm. um, back after after COVID. So yeah. what's happening on May 13th and 14th? And how many folks like Riley and Beehive will be there? Yeah, so May 13th and 14th, back after three calendar years of a hiatus, Laura. Like, so two years You just off, got started, I think. When we this had just out. got started. We were part of We wanted to be part of that momentum with the medical program. And then we got sidelined. And so in that time frame, there's been an entire industry born in kind of toddler status, you know, a couple of years in. So we'll have most of the most of the pharmacies present, um, fewer the growers, fewer the processors. So, you know, we'll have the entirety of that, you know, vertical integration there, um, as well as the, the CBD folks that were part of our events before. We'll have um, hemp programming um, kind of talking about the the agricultural side, the Im- agricultural impact on the environment here. So our speaker series, we have 24 panels with you know anywhere from two to six people per panel. So that's been fun. Uh-huh. So we've got a wide variety of topics that we'll be discussing. Free samples? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> One day, one day. Yeah. Well, that's the last kind of last question I had for you. As Do you see City Weekly and its Utah uh, CAN program 
supporting that industry the way that City Weekly and before it, it's, you know, how you started, it's private eye, supporting yeah. the hospitality industry here and the fights that you had with the legislature about having, you know, just cold beer signs in the window. Oh, yeah. So that was part of my growing pains with bringing this back. I didn't know all of the restrictions that were, because I just thought it was legal business. Let's have, you know, let's get everybody together. But there's restrictions on what they can put in their stores, what they can wear out of their stores, what they can advertise products. I can say 420, so. but Riley can't. Uh, I don't know if you can on the radio, <laughs> but they, his, so we're not their pharmacy is safe. I won't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, th that's one of them. They're not allowed to program around uh, the biggest, you know, It'd be like if Piper Down wasn't allowed to have anybody say, like, come over St. Patty's Day, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's so. how crazy it is. So for us, from, like, a First mm -hmm. Amendment standpoint, there's a lot of things that we'll help go to bat on that we think can just, you know, it's not that we want everybody to, you know, we just want everybody to have access, you know, specifically, like, the patients have access mm -hmm. to proper discounting that you can't. If it's not public information, how do they have access to those prices, right? Yeah. So yeah. And I just feel like we're doing kind of the same illogical regulations <laughs> around this industry that it took forever to beat yeah. back and in such a delicate legislative theocratic environment, right? Oh, yeah. I just pulled out one of my 420 ones. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, where can people learn more about the conference? And by the way, folks, we're going to do a whole panel on Tuesday with Rashawn. Yeah. No, that'll be fun. We're looking forward to being back on Tuesday. So thank you again, you know, for, mm -hmm. for having us. But utahcan.com our facebook page our event page and uh unfortunately what i found out is uh, having instagram and facebook they're not exactly kind to cannabis <laughs> so i had my instagram account shut down two weeks ago oh, so you i just did? started over yeah completely gone uh. just see you later i couldn't access it again so my utah can instagram account is like 150 people on it <laughs> two years ago it had three thousand. so it's like wow well, yeah. that's right but uh yeah i mean it's it's been a learning curve. Wow. <laughs> sure. Well, Riley, as as someone who's in the agriculture side of it, um, can you give any tips for folks that want to get in? I mean, you got to obviously work for someone who has a license, but were you kind of a, a, a gardener or a farmer before? Um, yeah, I actually was. So when I was like 15, 16, I used to work at Temple Square. So I, you know, developed that love for plants at a <laughs> at an early oh, age. Awesome. But um, yeah, yeah, so I was, the way I got into it, I moved out what to Colorado. And ah. then I'm originally from Utah, but so as I saw, you know, the bills pass and everything, I was able to move back. But to get into the industry, you just, a lot of times you got to start, you know, at the bottom, whether that's trimming and packaging. And then you can usually, you know, work your way into cultivation and other opportunities there. So, mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard with Utah only having eight licenses. That definitely does yeah. limit the amount of opportunities there is. But yeah, just be persistent if you want to get into it. Keep applying at those places. You can see their ads, you know, all over, whether it's on KSL or Google. Just, yeah, be persistent. Well, so cool. Thanks for coming in and sharing some of your story. I was curious what kind of grower we would get or how much they could say. And I think, Riley, you represented well. Yeah, thanks for letting me come on <laughs> here. This is awesome. Check tonight's nice show notes right. for a link to Beehive Farm and Pharmacy and also City Weekly and Utah Can. When we come back, we've got Shirley Barnes on deck from Turn Community Services. Right now, though, Skywatcher Leo T for you. many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here. Our solar system is a dynamic place, always showing us interesting and amazing sights. And hot on the wheels of this year's first solar eclipse, a partial eclipse on April 30th. A total lunar eclipse is on the horizon. Sky watchers in the Western Hemisphere can look forward to a total lunar eclipse late in the evening of May 15th. The event will be visible across the Americas, Europe, and Africa, basically anywhere the moon is above the horizon at the time. The visible part of the eclipse begins about 8.30 p.m. U.S. Mountain Time on May 15th, with totality beginning about an hour later and lasting about an hour and a half. Those in the eastern U.S. will see the eclipse start with the moon well above the horizon. For the central U.S. and those of us in the west, the eclipse starts about an hour and a half after dark with the moon relatively low in the sky. If you're out on the west coast, it's going to already be in progress when you see it come up. nice thing about lunar eclipses are that it's safe to look at directly with your eyes, binoculars, or a telescope. The moon will take on a dim reddish hue during the period of totality. Even though the moon is fully immersed in Earth's shadow at that time, red wavelengths of sunlight filter through Earth's atmosphere and fall onto the moon's surface. One way to think of this is that a total lunar eclipse shows us a projection of all the sunrises and sunsets happening on the planet at that moment. And winging our way out to Mars, a new photo by a NASA Spirit rover shows a strange Mars rock type that points to extremely violent volcanic eruptions. Meet 
ignimbrite, a volcanic rock found here on Earth and potentially on Mars. NASA Spirit rover photographed this olivine-rich rock in the Gusev crater on Mars in 2005, and they're, they're just getting around to compare that with some of the uh, photos taken by the Perseverance. It's been spotted by two rovers now and indicates the Martian landscape was shaped by extremely violent volcanic eruptions. In low Earth orbit, China will launch six major missions before the end of the year to complete its Qinggong space station, which space officials say could soon link up with a powerful telescope and host international astronauts. A brand new meteor shower, maybe. At the end of May, there's a chance we could be treated to a brand new meteor shower with the potential to be the best such display of 2022. It's a one-time only event and the circumstances for producing meteor activity are rather unique. In the autumn of 1995, a small dim comet broke into several pieces orbiting the sun about every 5.5 years. This comet has continued to disintegrate since its initial disruption. Dozens of bits and pieces have crumpled off the original fragment. And speaking of meteorites in Mississippi, after seeing and hearing a loud fireball overhead, residents are seeing meteorites turn up on the ground. Following this fireball over the state April 27th, Linda Weltzenbach Fries was among the people on the ground who spotted the rocks, originating from a small body in space while accompanying her husband Mark Fries, who happened to be a meteorite expert at the NASA Johnson Space Center's Astromaterials Branch. It's many cultures, one sky. An old Pawnee story narrated by the first thunder ceremony tells of Fools the Wolves, the coyote deity who is the grandfather of Morningstar, and Peruchti, grandfather of lightning, controller of all the fires and lighter of the stars that enabled people to go out at night. Peruchti had his own star, the evening star, that rivaled Fools the Wolves' morning star. Fools the Wolves became jealous of evening star's luminescence and power. And they say that originally Parukshti placed all the constellations on the ground, intending them to live there forever as an immortal race. But fools the wolves sent a pack of wolves to steal Parukshti's lightning bag. And the people killed the wolves, bringing death into the world for the first time. But now the people want to bring those wolves back. And the saga continues on the plains of Nebraska along the North Platte River. So enjoy the cultures. Look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. So thanks, Leo T. We'll add a we'll add a little clip to where to go to listen to him in the show notes, and uh, I'm going to talk to Shirley Barnes now from Turin Community Services. Hi, Shirley. Hi, Al. How are you? I'm very good. It's uh, great to have you here. Um, a few weeks back, we talked for the first time. We talked a little bit about starting a community garden, and um, for for you guys as clients and. Uh, Turn Community Services, let's talk, tell a little bit background about what you guys do and where you are in our okay. community. So we were started by a group of parents in 1973 as an alternative to the state hospital for their children. Um, they wanted them to be able to live in the community just like everybody else. And so fast forward 40-something years, and here we are today. Um, we support people with disabilities all over the state. We have day programs, residential, supported employment, um, art centers. We offer all kinds of services. Very cool. And and you guys have been around for 40 years. Oh, my goodness, as long as the station. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's good stuff. 40, since as long as Kerosene. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is really cool. What's that, 40? It'll Two, be 49 years 40, this year. 49, 49 yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's hey, a awesome. little bit older than we are, yeah. How there much we good go. work is that? We'll Boy. that. <laughs> Tons of good work. So you've had a dream. I have. I've had a dream <laughs> to do a community garden for, for my clients. We've tried it several times. Um, had some b- progress with it, but just not a big enough space to really grow enough produce to give out to our clients and take to farmers markets to try to sell or even donate some of the produce and this year you started uh, with small grant and um one uh someone you know donated their backyard yeah 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 and so everything sort of came together um you i i was really lucky enough to talk to a few of the right people and we got all the basic stuff we needed donated they were going to throw it away yeah we have definitely been blessed by that stuff i mean holy moly and then and then you guys as volunteers oh my goodness uh ed and i from ed from wasatch community gardens and i and my friend lisa and uh we we came it was not, not last weekend the one before 
No, oh, it was last week. It was week, last, week, last yeah. Saturday, yeah. So I, we did all this work in like a very short amount of time. Yeah, like two or three hours. Two or three hours we Many filled. Hands. We moved like 15 yards of dirt. <laughs> Do you know how much 15 <laughs> yards of dirt fills up this room? This we're broadcast in, right? booth <laughs> we're yeah. in, folks. Yeah. But, and the folks that you brought, you said, yeah, I have some volunteers. And, and Ed was like, you know, either they all show up or only you know nobody shows up they all showed up uh everybody different shapes sizes the older ladies oh my goodness they moved so many wheelbarrows of dirt i couldn't <laughs> that, believe it that was quite the uh wheelbarrow uh, assembly train. line why not yeah, yeah assembly <laughs> line there was probably six or seven wheelbarrows out at one time at that dirt mound, and those ladies were just loading just them up gone. as fast I, as possible. It was just mind-boggling how fast it went. And Ed, who's done so many of these gardens and helped build these community gardens, he's like, I don't think I've ever seen a crew work like that. Yeah, that speaks <laughs> to the call to the community to support what you do and the folks you help with intellectual and physical disabilities. Yeah, I actually had two people come to the garden, two of my clients come to the garden yesterday with their staff just to help pull some weeds and lay some cardboard down. And one of the individuals usually doesn't get involved in that stuff, but I had her sit by where I was working and would pull a bunch of weeds over to her. And she took the weeds out of the dirt and put them in the wheelbarrow. And her staff thought she was bored and said, you want to go home? And she said, no, no I want to stay. I was watching her because yeah. I was there too. And yeah. I rode her to the little patch while you guys were doing that stuff. And um, it's really came together. We took some pictures, and Laurel put some pictures in the show notes. Yeah. Holy moly. It's from the way it looked when we first got there to the way it looks now. I mean, we've, we, it was, it's just been an amazing transformation. There's boxes and there's horse troughs. The ground is tilled up in certain, a few areas. You're laying down cardboard. You're getting a chip drop so that the weeds don't grow up through. We're going to fix the irrigation. Uh, Ed started the irrigation that first day. Um, you know, it just it moved really fast, and I, it was kind of mind-boggling to watch it. But um, the next step is on Monday, we'll go to the Green Phoenix Farm, and uh, any time in the afternoon when it works for us. Okay. Is, and we'll go and pick up some of the extra plants from the Wasatch Community Gardens plant sale. I have some potatoes that were gifted me, uh, about 25 pounds, a huge bag. And so we can plant some potatoes. Um, I know some other folks uh, uh, said they had some starts they wanted to donate. We're going to be growing food there in this garden in like a week. I'm so excited. I mean, I, this is, this was, it was an amazing project to be a part of. I really was. You see what growing stuff does. And, and like you said, your client who's like, no, I'm not bored. I want to do this. There's a therapeutic aspect you're oh. hoping for as well uh, as the produce. Absolutely. Just being outside in the sun and getting your hands getting your dirty. Yeah, yeah. Just It's just amazing. And I'm ex so excited to have... The clients come, and they're going to plant the plants. We'll supervise and offer assistance as needed, but it's their garden. They're the ones that are going to be growing this. They're getting all the produce. Um, I've already talked to a couple of people who know how to can, like spaghetti sauce and things like that. So at the end of the growing season, we're going to do cooking classes with the produce that's grown from the garden. Very good. What other plants? Because I know you, you were thinking maybe this goes good. You have bigger plants, but uh, there was a mention of maybe getting them to do some entrepreneurial stuff and actually sell some food at market. Yeah. The, the house, the, the backyard where this uh, garden went up is very close to Wheeler Farm. Um, you know, the, the Sunday market is there, and that's my neighborhood market market and i'd love to see those guys there selling some food oh, too absolutely that's our goal if it doesn't happen this year we have another plot of land um, that someone has and they offered it to us for next year so this is this was to make this thing happen maybe there were some naysayers but maybe not anymore <laughs> yeah definitely there were naysayers but now those naysayers came last Saturday uh -huh. and helped, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. This is going to happen. I'm like, yep, with or without your support, it's going to happen. So maybe we can let it out of the bag. That if this works, which we know it's going to work already, um, 
next year there's maybe a three acre plot of land. It's a little. It's in Clinton. Um, one of your one of your staff members mm-hmm. has it, and there may be a goal to start growing some food there. Yeah, totally for the people that live up north. And it's too far for them to come to Salt Lake to help us with this one. They can definitely help up there, and we will definitely Sweet. be going up there. So this is a this was a big dream, and it's coming to realization. How's it feel, dear? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm like on cloud nine right now. Lisa, the people up north. So can you explain how far and wide you provide services in the state of Utah and what you provide? Yeah. So we provide supports from Brigham City to St. George. We have group homes. Um, 24-hour group homes. We have supported living um, opportunities. We have supervised apartments. Um, we have clients who own their own homes. That like, who doesn't want to own your own home? Yeah. And you think somebody with a disability isn't going to be able to own their own home, but they do. Um, we do supported employment services where we have job coaches go to their jobs. This garden actually is going to be part of uh, high school projects. Um, some of the kids that are coming out of high school that are graduating that just don't exactly know what they want to do yet will be able to participate in this gardening um, opportunity with us. That's just fantastic. What's the website where folks can catch up with you and get involved, or maybe they need services, maybe they want to help you? Yeah, turndreams.org. Um, if somebody's interested in employment, you can go to the careers tab. I know you guys are hiring, and yeah. you always take donations. Yes, always. They can also donate on the website. They can mail a check in to us, however they want to donate. Um, I've actually gotten a couple of donations from just posting some of the, the pictures from the progress of the garden. People have reached out and said, hey, I want to donate some money. How do I send it in? So. You know, we'll take whatever we can get to make this garden grow. It's so amazing. It's really great to be a part of it. And I know we're going to chime in on this again as it progresses. And yes. we'll you'll be back on with us for sure. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. And as you need volunteers for all the things you do, but especially the garden, please let us know. We'll let the word out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. They can also go to the turndreams.org page, and there's a place there to sign up for volunteers as well. I love it. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to work with Al on this garden. (laughs) Good job, Al. Thank you. That was fantastic. I was looking at that online going, wait a minute. I thought he was relaxing this weekend. (laughs) He ends up putting out the word and saying, hey, we need this, we need that. And the call started coming in, which really speaks to everyone out there. You know, plugging into your community and answering the call when you have the opportunity and the ability to. So thanks again, everyone. That's fantastic. We've got another song here from Giovanni, our featured artist tonight, who's going to be at the Slug Localized Showcase on May 19th at Urban Lounge. And then on May 21st, part of the bill for Alleyways Amplified down on Edison Street. If you check tonight's show notes, you will get a link to where you can get tickets for all of that. But uh, Giovanni, we're going to hear another song. It's called Story. This, These are all on an EP, which is called... The Sound. The Sound. This is Story from Giovanni, right here, fresh and homegrown. KRCL 90.9 FM. Got me mesmerized 
Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Love's Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow, spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com. Outdoor Afro celebrates and inspires black connections and leadership in nature. Now with chapters in Salt Lake City and Park City. More details at OutdoorAfro.com. This is Al Dan, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. Democracy Now! is at 7 p.m. with Amy Goodman. Not a Sideshow with Circus Brown at 8 p.m. Friday Night Fallout with Keith at 10.30. Liquid Rhythms with Ken at 1 a.m. Saturday Breakfast Jam with Shanalee at 7 a.m. All of those programs can be found online at krcl.org, which exists because of your generosity. Thank you again for your Radiothon support. And, of course, the last two weeks of any show you can stream on demand at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones, and now it's time for Aldine's Urban Farm Report, which is... This is the Urban Farm Report, and this fits in really well because these guys here are... I really want to help some urban farmers. Um, why don't you introduce yourself, Corey? Yeah, I'm... My name is Corey Skellinger. I uh, work with the Utah Department of Agriculture. My official title is soil health planner for the northern half of the state. So I do anything with soil health or any, you know, cover crops, mulching, things like that. Alyssa? Yeah, and I'm Alyssa Hyam, and I am a conservation planner with the Utah Department of Ag and Food, and I'm also a partner planner with the Natural Resources Conservation Service. Um, so really just helping connect farmers mostly in Utah County and Wasatch County for my area with different funding opportunities. And you guys are addressing re, um, resource concerns. And uh, to this, we're going to talk about conservation districts and uh, explain a little bit about who's involved and how these things work. Sure. So the, the conservation districts were created back in the Dust Bowl to kind of keep um, conservation running with agriculture. So it's a group of about five farmers um, and, and they have to be community members to that zone. So it, it's typically divided by counties. And these farmers meet once a month to discuss projects that they can potentially put on the ground to focus on conservation, whether it's irrigation improvements, um, soil health improvements, um, you name it. They, c they can do just about all of it. Do you want to add anything, Melissa? Yeah, um, I mean, we do community outreach events. Uh, my conservation districts in my area do tree sales and help fund riparian projects so they have you know funding that they would love to put towards helping the community out and so there's a lot of money out there mm -hmm. and um right now most of the districts are circled around folks who are traditional agriculture and you guys are looking to bring in an urban farmer how many zones is there and you would like to get one in each zone there's, what, 36 or 38 there's, conservation there's, districts? There yeah. is. 36 total in the state, and I think, I don't know how many along the Wasatch Front, but uh, the ones in the Wasatch Front especially, we want an urban farmer representative on these boards to mm -hmm. start uh, bringing that into the 
the scope of work. And uh, some of the things that come along with this uh, that, that, that are really pertinent, um, water optimization is one. We live in the desert here. And um, you, you, let's go through, you touched on a few of the things, but let's talk a little bit about some of the things that are encompassed in this. Sure, yeah, Alyssa pitch in if I forget anything that we've got ag VIP um, it's it, basically any anybody that applies nutrient we give incentive payments to follow a nutrient management plan to make sure we're protecting water quality and things like that there's water optimization which is uh, this year they got 74 million in funding to fund irrigation improvement projects and that can range from a drip system to flooding to sprinklers you name it um, We've got a, a couple thousand dollars for pollinator seed mixes that we are itching to get out there. Um, Your soil health? Yes, soil health, my job. <laughs> 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 yes, we've talk got... About, we've talk got, about soil um, health, because you referenced the Dust Bowl, mm -hmm. and maybe describe mm -hmm. for folks that are too young to understand what happened back in the 30s, right? Sure, so when agriculture swept the western side of the states, we kind of mechanized farming in yeah, particular yeah we mechanized farming tilled everything flat and then everybody loves our winds it just carried the dust in tremendous amounts and suffocated a bunch of people so um, actually NRCS was created to help natural resources be protected in conservation and then Hugh Hammond Bennett came in and said we need we need to make sure that it's not in the federal government's hand to protect agriculture so he created the conservation districts as a tool to direct the federal funding. Bringing it closer to the people mm -hmm. growing the food for America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. and that's the goal of our the people, the farmers that we work with in our conservation districts. They, they wanna serve their communities. They wanna help preserve agriculture in Utah. They see how important that is with all the urbanization that's happening and especially along the Wasatch Front where we work. Mm. Um, and so they want traditional agriculture to be preserved, but they also acknowledge that agriculture, the face of it is changing. Um, and so they want to dip their toes into that world, too, and help preserve all forms of agriculture. And some of the things that Corey's talking about, um, we talk about here on the show all the time during our urban farm report that we have. You're talking regenerative agriculture. You're talking soil health. Um, you know, we're, ta we're talking about uh, all these things, building our soil to and to grow better plants and but put, putting back putting back regenerative mm -hmm. not sustainable we don't want to just keep it there we want to bolster it and we want to make sure it's there for time to come this whole thing um we work together uh with big and small ag right uh, i mean agriculture may be changing but the, the importance of it is not going anywhere no, no one cares about their land more than farmers absolutely yeah. and and Urban ag does it better than almost anybody, and that's that's why Alyssa and I are here. Is our conservation districts? They've got traditional farmers on the board, and we want that urban outlook in on it. So, how are you reaching urban farmers, and what do you qual qualify? What qualifies as an urban farmer? Like Al, to me, is an urban farmer. He's got a significant patch in the back of his house. But then there's folks like just literally they can throw carrots at us here. Who's that over there, Al? Um, Keep you, it real. You have Salt Lake top Salt Lake top crops, and uh, they've developed quite a following, and now pretty much cater to to restaurants or their own their own online shop, uh, as mm -hmm. I recall. Yep. So who, who qualifies? That, that is a golden ticket question that we have been asking for <laughs> the two years I've worked here. I, I mean, anybody, anybody that grows anything is considered a farmer. And kind of these urban ag guys, they've got a multitude of crops. Um, they're not just growing a monoculture. Typically, it's small acreage, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, we can, we can bridge the gap between the two. We can stretch the definition. We're just looking to give money to people. Ah. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is really a no-brainer, guys. I know my folks are out there. They're listening. I'm going to go and put bugs in people's ear. Uh, this farmer's market s starts up in a few weeks. We can come. You can come with me, and we can go booth to booth and talk to these folks. Please, yeah. Best to go a little early before they get all busy and stuff. Yeah. But um, we know everybody. I mean, <laughs> that's, awesome. that's awesome. what we need. Yeah, so, so what are you talking grant-wise? Are we talking drips and drabs? Are you talking significant chunks to do what? Listing. We'll Anything to do with about. farming. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anything it, that addresses a resource concern, are you we'll listening pay for. <laughs> that's livestock. Um, we pay for um, troughs, fencing, 
irrigation. Um, if you want to put mulch in your high tunnels, you want to build a high tunnel, we'll pay for a high tunnel. Does the farmer have to be selling to a market or to a commercial entity? Like like we just had Turn, Point, uh, Turn Community Services on, and they put this thing in their back, and they want to do three acres in Clinton next year. There, there's a couple requirements. You have to be registered with the Farm Service Agency. Okay, we got to get them registered. But right? it, super easy <laughs> process. I, I mean, you and contact are, us, we walk you through it. These are primarily um, NRCS, Natural Resource Conservation Service requirements. So mm. they have some of these things that you can't just walk in the door and, and get money from. Give them. me money. A whole ranking <laughs> process and and all of that. But but yeah, NRCS is set up really well to just help with the cost of being a farmer. There's another one that gives out some grants to ISM. Mm-hmm. Um, What's ISM? It's uh, Invasive Species Mitigation. How does that work, that one? Yeah, so... I don't know much about it. Annually, that's a, a grant given out by the State Department of Agriculture to uh, eradicate or control noxious, listed noxious weeds. Like Russian olive, stuff like that? Russian olive, mm-hmm. um, any of the thistles... That's Those little goat heads. Any of the thistles. One of my urban line. farms has a big stand of thistle on the front of it. Yep, yep. So we apply for that grant money, and we can we can treat it with chemicals. We can pull it by hand. We can hire somebody. It's just a, a good way to help. So there's them. there's organic ways to go about it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. Our um, the conservation districts that I work with, I can't speak for others, but we we set we set some of our money aside for herbicide. Um, farmers can come in and you know just get herbicide for free, basically with with the money that we have. Um, but there's other things to consider too, right? Like soil health practices and why are the weeds there in the first place and uh, cover crops. Yeah. So our conservation districts, the point is that they they're set up really well to be able to put money towards things that farmers want. You know. All right. This is the Owls Urban Farm Report. We're talking about conservation districts with Corey and Alyssa from the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food. Let's get the website out there before we close um, where people can learn more. We'll ask you again before we close. But let's get I'm sure there's people listening going, I need to sign up for that money. Yeah, I think it's just UDAF.org. UDAF.org or there's SoilHealthPartnership.org. And you're, uh, I'll share my information and you guys are more than welcome to reach mm-hmm. out to myself, Alyssa, or any of my other Great. We'll put it in the show notes, Al. Mm-hmm. You know, great stuff. Um, I, I, uh, it's great. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, uh. come on, you guys. It, it, this, there's money there. For, this is your tax dollars at yeah, work. Exactly. And the government's behind. They're not just behind Big Ag. They are looking to help us. Small ag. Our, our little thing, our thing. I'm always curious. Uh, I'm just going to... Make an assumption that you are of a younger generation than Al and myself. <laughs> and so I'm curious what, how you got into this line of work and if you grow food yourself, if you maybe have a small patch or a medium patch. Alyssa? I wish I did. I'm still in an apartment. I can't afford anything else. But, Unfortunately, in this economy. That's the dream. I mean, but I got into this just for a love of the land. I have a background in conservation, ecology, um, so just protecting the land. And what better place to do it than Utah where our resources are, you know, stressed out all the time from so many different things. Well, so. yeah, we're in a declared drought yep. and, and conservation is the, the watchword and the byword. How about you? How about you, Corey? Yeah. So I, I grew up on the eastern plains of Colorado. And when I left for college, I said I'd never come back to agriculture. And as I, <laughs> I got I got a degree in botany and found I was a huge nerd for plants and um, found my way back to agriculture and I I couldn't see myself in a better place. There's just amazing people to work for and an amazing cause. Who are you meeting and trying to get the word out? And what are, what kind of struggles are they going through as farmers in Utah? Corey? Water availability obviously is the biggest thing that everybody's got. They have a hard time getting water where they need it to in the time that they need to get it there. Um, Otherwise it's just adapting to the ever changing world. Like, we always joke that the best crop grown in Utah is houses. So these farmers <laughs> so are struggling sad. to hold on to land yeah. and make everybody happy. So and we're 50,000 housing units behind. So that's another challenge to farming, Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and back to the water thing, too. I mean, farmers are going to be the first ones that they go to take the water from when we need, really need water and more people are moving into the state or being born in the state even that demand is gonna it's gonna move from the farmers so we're trying to help farmers get a jump on that and conserve their water now and have better practices in place so that that doesn't happen down the road yeah 
So it's a it's a big lift that farmers are facing, whether they're small ag, medium ag, big ag, mm-hmm. al. And um, we're, we're happy to help get the word out on this. Um, tell us a bit more about, you know, the the farming situation as we're heading into prime growing season. Um, I'm guessing the folks you're working with, uh, many of them, your colleagues perhaps even, have a patch. You too, like you said, you, you wish that's the dream. Mm-hmm. But, I'm you know, we did, who was it that we had on? Uh, he brought us the boysenberry or elderberry stuff. It was uh, Tony. Tony, it Tony. Tony Richards. And he's got his mm-hmm. own farm here and in somewhere in Africa, too. In Africa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So folks who work at UDAF, Utah Department of Ag and Food, many of them are growers, right, Corey? Most of them, yeah. Most of the time they, they work at the state to fund their hobby, which is farming. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, anything you'd like to add about the the folks you work with or the farmers that you come across? Um, I've, it's just been I've been in this position for a little over a year, and it's been a constant learning experience. Uh-huh. Everyone in Utah, um, all the farmers are just so open to helping you learn about farming, and it's just a whole other world. Yeah, these farmers, what they face every day, and uh-huh. and and yeah, and I mean, something I'd like to vouch for on this show is is the community aspect of farming is there. Farmers mm. know other farmers. And and so if there's any community ideas, outreach ideas that anyone has, especially urban farmers, please reach out to me or Corey, and we would love to back that in any way we can. Any concerns and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll definitely put it links in the show notes. As we head into farmer's market season, Al, um, you'll start collecting some more stories. In fact, I think we should do what we did last year where we sent you to people's backyards and small farms and have you do some more tours, and that could be another way to spread the word about these grants. Yeah, for sure. Is there a deadline? Can you walk us through this application process for either one of these pots of money that are available to uh, farmers? So water optimization opens in July and closes in September. Um but otherwise, every every one of the funding sources that we have is there every year. Okay. So we've got annual deadlines for certain parts of the sta- the stages. But anybody, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. We accept applications all the time. Yeah. Well, so you guys are out yeah. there doing the work. You're searching all the stuff, and you're you have it accessible for these mm-hmm. folks already. They don't have to go and search it. Absolutely. It's it's com- they're all completely voluntary programs. Um, we don't hold you to anything. And typically, we, we in the past, we've just let farmers come to us, and then we go to them. But Alyssa and I kind of like the proactive approach and going out and finding the people that need the help. Well, especially as the urban farm community has been, been growing, they're typically... Um I don't know that there's that much of a relationship, and I know Red Acre Center, that's part of what they're working on with the guilds and such, but being able to bridge the different pockets of farmers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's that's fantastic. So folks, we'll put it in the show notes. I was reminding, reminded, though, of the conversation we had a while back. Um, Sterling Jensen, is that his name down there by, by Sarah and Simbria? Stanford. Stanford. There we go. Stanford Jensen, and he was talking. He switched over from big ag practices to to um, more of a, a regenerative thing, yeah. like the guys at Three Springs that you you know. Well, and when he and other larger farmers started hearing what urban farmers are making on a smaller plot, mm-hmm. it's catching some ears out there. Uh, and I think changing some minds about how to do farming whether you're doing a farm farm as a commodity, shall we say, or the urban farmers, which are really serving their community, their immediate uh, areas around where they're growing with CSAs, but also the farmers market network. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's just a lot of progress to be made, and these grants will help, Al. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Absolutely. All right, what is the website one more time? Any other criteria? Let's name those two grant funds again. So there's uh, water optimization, ISM, soil health. AgVIP. AgVIP and NRCS. So money available for folks mm-hmm. in the state of Utah and the website for UDAF one more time. UDAF.org. That's pretty simple. Yep. Well, thank it's you so much. Please come back. And we'd love to um, use you to outreach to farmers that we haven't had on the show yet and let them know that this little radio station wants to amplify their voice. Al and I are planning a road trip this summer. We did a couple of visits last year. We went to the dairies up there in far west, mm-hmm. and you got a little farther afield than I did, so um, we definitely want to meet some more folks. Yeah, 
Yeah. That'd be great. Thanks for coming in, Corey and Alyssa. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We've got Gavani and one more song coming up after this on KRCL. Support for KRCL comes from Red Butte Garden, Utah's botanical garden located in the foothills of the University of Utah, connecting people with plants through education, plant conservation, and the beauty of living landscapes. Details at redbuttegarden.org. Volunteers are needed for this year's Living Traditions Festival, May 20th through 22nd at Library Square in Salt Lake City. Help with artists, beverage sales, bocce ball, greeters, kids area, production, school day, and more. For details, email volunteer at saltlakearts.org. KRCL wants to thank all the volunteers who came down to help answer phones during Spring Radiothon. A big thanks to Karen and Leanna and Matt and Peter and Richard and Hillary and Leslie and Carrie and Susie. We'd also like to thank the Boxcar Studios and Rock Camp SLC for sending down help. We couldn't do this without you. If you missed out on Spring Radiothon, it's not too late. Donate now at krcl.org. And thanks. yes, thank you so much, everyone, for your support. And you can still get the Arborist Pack. It's on our website, Aldine. And if you go to krcl.org, you can get the cool bucket hat. You can get uh, plant a tree with us in Tree Utah. It's going to happen on May 16th. And then you're going to get the seeds. Now, if we ship it to you, you're going to get what again? Well, you're going to get cucumbers, zucchini, and basil. And then if you come down Thursday, May 12th. You get 12th, to choose from 10 or 12 different varieties of things that most people grow in their garden. And acclimated to our Yes, climate. and next year they'll be stamped certified organic that's fantastic so that is thursday may 12th 4 to 7 here at krcl go to our website you'll get all the details on the pickup party while you're there hit the big orange donate button in the corner and help keep krcl on the air because we don't go without you all right aldine another great show and we got gavani here with us to wrap up you got two gigs coming up may 19th and may 21st may 21st may 19th is at the urban lounge and it's the slug localized showcase um, you've got music available. Where can people find it? Um, on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, literally anything. If you look up Gavani, G-A-V-A-N-N-I on Google, I come up, actually. It's just me. It's just <laughs> Do you work it's with me. anybody? Is it all just you on the recordings? Oh, no, I wish. But um, I'm a firm believer in the whole ideology of two heads are better than one. You know, if everybody does their parts really good, you know, then you can come together and make a really great end product. So um, Sweet Law, for example, produced by Jimmy. That boy Jimmy, he's a Congolese producer out here in Salt Lake. And, you know, he makes the, he'll, he'll make a beat, you know, I'll write the song and sing to it, do, do some arrangements to it, and then we'll put it together. And there's also Doomy actually uh, providing um, ad-libs to this song as well. Doomy is from Madagascar, and she's also out here in Salt Lake. And see, that's what I was talking about, the hidden diversity that's yeah. out here in Salt Lake. Suki was on the song Suki we played in the middle well. of the show. Yes, yeah, Suki is from Cameroon, amazing rapper, you know, and he... He's also here in Salt Lake, you know, doing his thing. And that's, like I said, you know, we just need to give everybody your spotlight one way or the other. You're finding these folks through the community of music? Yes. And yes. Very good. Very yeah. good. I love that. So, again, the 19th for Slug Localized at Urban Lounge. The 21st for Alleyways Amplified. That's going to be on Edison Street in downtown Salt Lake. Yeah. Part of Vishwa's new series that is highlighting uh, BIPOC artists in particular, amplifying folks that uh, may not find a, a place to play and i'm curious about that for you um okay so with the with the with the slug mag show first of all that show i'm really excited for because you know slug mag i was featured on on one of their um uh, magazine articles mm -hmm. last year and you know it was funny because they just kind of found me and it just kind of you know, showed me what they do for artists as far as, you know, finding underground artists and putting them in that spotlight. And it's mm -hmm. kind of the same thing with the alleyways yeah. thing as well. It's like, you know, they're trying to give local acts that spotlight that, you know, mm -hmm. they deserve. Well, please pass around KRCL to artists <laughs> and bring them to us. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. We're here in the, the last absolutely. little bit here of Sweet Love from Gavani. Check tonight's show notes to pick up his music as well as get the dates. Aldine, that's it. That's our show. Great show. Thanks, Laura. All right, folks. Punk Rock Farmer Friday, officially over on KRCL 90.9.
KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Salt Lake County's Green and Healthy Homes program helps create housing that's both energy efficient and safe for low to moderate income families, including refugees and regardless of legal status. Details at slco.org slash green dash healthy dash homes.